So, amen. The Lord's good, isn't he? So, I'm going to try to get through this in one piece. If I get through in one piece, I'll be happy. If you get through it in one piece or not, that's between you and God. I, I just going <laughs> to... So I'm going to, uh, the last time I talked, which a couple of weeks ago, which by the way, I wanted to just encourage you about River Life Chapel Hill. They're just doing great up there. They're, you know, they moved to Sunday morning. They got a new building they're meeting in. It's really a brand new building. It's a Church of Christ. You know, they meet on Saturdays. So they got that building on Sundays. And... Yeah, so I, I said, yeah, I meant that. It's, it's all the same, right? Anyway, it's the seventh day at Venice. They meet on Saturdays and, you know, which they were looking for a church and, they got it. I mean, it was, it was just amazing. It was brand. They just built the building. It's a building similar to this building. As a matter of fact, when we pulled up there to the church, uh, we pulled to the end where I parked down there, and the first, I opened the door, and the first thing I heard was music. I thought, well, I'm just at home because every time I come here on Sunday morning and park down there and open the door, the first thing I hear is music. So they're just right in the flow, and it's just really awesome what God's doing there, I think, uh, you know, it's it's a new beginning for them. Obviously, uh, some of the people that were with them on Sunday night didn't didn't make the transition to Sunday morning, but but they have got some other people. So it's it's all good. It's all all amazing, really. I'm so thankful for what the Lord's doing in Chapel Hill for the kingdom, and I'm thankful that River Life is getting to be a part of what God's doing there, and you're a part of it because we have invested heavily into that church, and I think we're going to see a lot of good fruit for years to come. Amen? So last time I talked to you a few weeks ago, whenever it was, I talked about how God called Elisha. Uh, he spoke to Elijah at his, uh, when Elijah was renewed in the cave and spoke to him about Elisha, and he went and got, he saw Elijah plowing, and he threw his mantle on him. And there was this relationship that developed between Elijah and Elisha that went on for a long time. Um, we don't really know how long a time between uh, when Elisha got that mantle thrown on him and when he actually got, when Elijah actually went to heaven and he really got the mantle. Uh, it was years though, possibly 10 years. A couple chapters in the Bible, but probably 10 years of time. Uh, and so I wanted to talk to you about this a little bit, about this. It, it was the last day of Elijah's life. Um, and there was this journey that Elijah and Elisha went on. And I wanted to make a mention to you about journeys because the Bible really is, if you think about it, is filled with journeys, of people's journeys. That's really what it's about. Right from the very beginning all the way to the end, it's, it's a story of people's journeys, and that's how we relate to people. We relate to people many times in their journey of how they've walked out their, their life. Uh, and it really makes sense, you know, that the Bible would be a, a, a book of journeys because we're on a journey. Every one of us in this room, we're, we're on a journey. We're sojourners here, which means we're temporarily here, and we're on a journey through this through this life, it, journey is really built into uh, who we are as human beings. It's, it's a part of us. And the way we can really make sense of our life many times is look at our journey. 
And we can begin to really understand ourselves. And we can understand the purposes of God in our life. And we can even understand God better by reflecting on the journey of where God has carried us. That's, many times we hear testimonies of people, how they were saved. That's part of what they're sharing is, is part of their, their journey. And so journeys really are the, you know, the basis of, of how we're to live our life and understand our life is through the journey we're on. And you can apply that in any area of your life. You can apply it with your education. You can apply it with your family. You can apply it with your career. Uh, any, in any area, if you begin to look at it, you'll see that you're on a journey. And you can begin to see that journey. You can begin to understand your life and understand God and understand even understand your f- future based on how God has, has walked you. And so there's many, many, many journeys in the Bible. I wanted to read this. This was given a quote by this very famous uh, woman preacher. And she said, We are all pilgrims and cho- sojourners in this world. The trying of our faith is part of the journey. Jacob is such a powerful example of his journey and his encounters with God. He faced many challenges and difficulties on his journey. But at the end of his life, he confesses that God had been his shepherd through all his life. God wants us to know him as the good shepherd and that he is leading us. And this will bring us much comfort and meaning as we sojourn through this life. Isn't that powerful? That's pretty powerful, isn't it, Becky? Becky wrote it. <laughs> she wrote that a couple years ago when God began to speak to her about journeying. And I think that's when they actually named the women's uh, ministry Sojourn. Isn't that really wonderful? Well, a couple of weeks later, uh, we had a guest speaker in the church, his Suresh Babu, and this is what he said. I wrote it down. He said, Everywhere Jesus lived, Bethlehem, Egypt, Nazareth, etc., are significant. They are a prophetic picture of the places God will take us in our spiritual journey to form, shape, and develop the nature of Christ within our souls. As we journey with the Holy Spirit into these places, we will discover things about the Lord Himself that can only be known by allowing Him to take us there. Isn't that powerful? So we can learn so much from the journeys of people in the Bible. One thing I did recently that was very powerful to me personally was I went back and studied the journey of Abraham, you know, because Abraham's the father of faith. I kind of wanted to trace his journey and to find out what my life was going to be like. And it's just a, really blessed me to begin to see uh, the journey of Abraham and some of the places Abraham stopped off at and some of the places, some of the things that Abraham, uh, you know, how God spoke to him in, in different places and Abraham's reaction. And I believe they're all you know, could apply to our lives. And so what I'm going to talk to you about this morning, just for a few minutes, I'm, it's going to be a very few minutes, because I do have one particular thing I want to really get after you about, and that's in a positive way, is this journey that Elisha took with Elijah, or rather Elijah took with Elisha. There was a journey, a final journey, uh, Second Kings 2, uh, verse 1, it says, It came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. So evidently they were living in Gilgal. Or at least Elisha was uh, living in Gilgal. We don't really know because it doesn't tell us anything before this. If you read the previous chapters, it tells us nothing. There's no information about uh, uh, Elisha and Elijah, about their relationship. It was just... 
there was a few little things about what Elijah did with Ahab and, and, and those kind, but it gave us nothing. All of a sudden, this is what the Bible's telling us. Because, you know, it was many years. And so, the, you know, the Scripture left out a lot. And so, uh, what you would see, what I want to tell you, there was these four places that Elijah and Elisha wound up going that day. And, and these are like four places on a journey that, that I believe that God will take every Christian, and especially those who are willing. It's, it's a beautiful picture. If you really want the spirit and power of Elijah on your life, God has given us a beautiful picture here in the Bible, a clear picture of where, the places He will carry you and how He will walk you through things. So you can begin to understand and have a better understanding of your life and what God is doing, which many, I don't know about you, God is so mysterious and it's so crazy some of the things that happen in your life, you, you have a hard time putting it in context. And, and, and the Bible's full of these uh, hints of things that kind of hint to us to let us know this is what's really happening to you. And boy, I've went through this and it really spoke to me. Well, the first place, I'm just going to give you a few uh, things at each place. Gilgal, as most of you know, was the first place that Israel camped at after they crossed the Jordan into the Promised Land, after they had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. So that was their first place. It became a base camp for Israel as they launched war to take over the, to the Promised Land. They would, that's where they would go back to. That was their home base. Interesting thing happened there in Gilgal. The manna stopped. It says it clear. The manna stopped and they ate of the produce of the land there in Gilgal. Another thing happened is was all the men who had, who had died off, the original men, the next generation of men, all had to be circumcised there. Uh, and the name Gilgal actually means rolling away. That's what it really means. And so it's a place uh, where the reproach of the world, the re- reproach of the wilderness, the reproach of life that attaches itself to everybody that we all carry from time to time uh, gets rolled off of us and gets broken off of us. And, and, and because it was a base camp, from time to time they would have to go back and get the new reproach off of them. Because, you know, there is a such thing as Velcro demons. I don't know if y'all know about you know about Velcro demons, right? Those are the ones that will attach themselves to you as you're going through life. And you just kind of have to rip them off. You know, when you start... You ever been somewhere and you start thinking these bad thoughts? You know, like all of a sudden out of the blue, you're thinking like, Dang, what's wrong with me? I've fallen away from the Lord. I'm thinking some really bad stuff. It's because you got around something or somebody that was doing something and the spirit was on them and it got on you. And that's a Velcro demon. You just rip it off and toss it to the curb and move on with your life. You know, another thing, it really doesn't say, but you know, Israel was led by the, the cloud and the fire. It didn't show up anymore. It's never mentioned in the promised land. So here's, here's the thing that's really always, I think, is really important. What Gilgal stands for. It stands for all of what I just said, but it stands for this. It's learning a new way to think. Because, you see, when they wandered in the wilderness, every day God was doing a miracle for them. Every day God was giving them manna. Every day God was manifesting either a fire, if it was at night, or a a visible manifestation of His presence. But once they transferred and moved over into the promised land, all of that stopped. All that stopped. 
God was no longer providing food for them. God was no, no longer providing this visual leadership for them. And what does that mean? It means you had to transform a wilderness mindset wants God to do everything. God's going to provide the miracles. He's going to provide the food. He's going to do all this thing. And you're not going to do anything. You're just going to get up and go gather it. Well, in the promised land, God had given them houses of living. They didn't build it. He'd given them gardens. But they had to go and they had to cultivate the gardens. They had to go and work. That's a kingdom mindset. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish and broke them and blessed them. He had to do something or they would have stayed five loaves and two fishes. And when he did something with it, when he took it, he multiplied it. And see, that's a kingdom mindset. And a lot of Christians are looking for God to do something, and God is looking for us to do something. Because God has given us something. And he wants to take us, us to take it and cultivate it, grow it, and make it into something. That's what they begin to do. And that's what we're to do. It's like what Jesus did. He cultivated people's hearts. He grew them into something. Are you all okay? I won't say that again. You know, I said that last week at River Life Chapel. I said, are you all okay? And then I caught myself like, I'm not going to say that anymore. And one minute later, I said it again. I thought, Lord, help me. I've got to get out of this bad habit I've developed. <laughs> Anyways, that's Gilgal. Let me move on real quick here. The next place, say it, Kings 2, 2 through 3. Uh, then Elijah said, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But, but Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. That's, that's a tenacious man. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were there at Bethel came out to Elisha, Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Shut up. <laughs> that's good old Elisha. He wasn't going to let them distract him. Well, y'all know what Bethel means. Bethel was the place where, where Jacob, after he left home stopped and rested, took a nap, and it's where he saw Jacob's ladder, where he saw the Lord standing up in heaven, and he lowered a ladder down to earth. That's what it says. God was above it, and angels were ascending and descending upon this ladder. And, of course, in John 151, it said, Jesus said, I'm Jacob's ladder. You're going, to see, you're going to see angels ascending and descending on me. So what Jacob was really seeing, he was seeing the Lord. He was seeing Christ when he saw those angels ascending and descending. And he said, he said, this is none other than the gate of heaven. This is the house of God. That's what Bethel literally means, the house of God. This is none other than the gate of heaven. This is the house of God. God is in this place, and I did not know it. God is in this place, and I did not know it. You see, God's in a lot of places, and we don't know it. But God wants to reveal himself. And so Bethel really stands for a place of revelation place where God begins to reveal things that we didn't know and see if we're going to really come in if we're going to really live our Christian life we've got to come into we got to we got to see the invisible we got to know stuff that not common people don't know that's what we're created for we have these ability to see something okay and not just look at the world the way everybody else looks at it God has given us the eye we have eyes in our heart that's, that that God wants to enlighten so we can see things. That's where we're really meant to live our Christian life. In fact, Paul says in, I think it's 2 Corinthians 4, or first one of them, he says, if we don't, we will lose heart. If we're not able to see the invisible, you'll lose heart with your Christian life. You've got to see something. And God has given us that. And that's what Bethel really is. It's the place where God begins to open the, enlighten you and give you, open up the spirit realm to you and help you begin to see things and see revelation 
that you couldn't see before. And also, I think it's pertinent about the house of the Lord. It's interesting, this family thing is because God is always about family. Okay, and that, you know, you've heard for years, you know, you can destroy a nation by destroying the, the family, right? Y'all, that's a pretty common thought out there, like destroy the United States. Well, let's just destroy the family. And if you could go into any, you know, ghetto kind of place, why is it like that? It's because the family's been destroyed. There's no fathers around, and you know, and, it, and, and it's caused crime, and it ca- has caused drugs, and all these things. And that's how you really can destroy, is by destroying family. And I think that's how the de- what the devil wants to do with the body of Christ in America, is destroy the family of God by dividing people and taking people out of the family. God created us to be a part of a family. This is my pitch for church. God created us to be a part of a family. And we can be destroyed when we refuse to engage in the family of God. Or when we, are, we, we feel like we can just do it on our own. You know, all that. That's my pitch for the church. Amen. Anyways, then in verse 4, Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho, they were these sons of prophets, which by the way were like schools, evidently. Uh, a lot of historians believe there were these schools of prophets that Elijah had developed in those, that period of time in these different places. He had training up people to be prophets. And so they knew Elijah, they knew Elisha, and they were all in these different locations. There was one at Bethel, there's one here in, at Jericho, schools of prophets. And they were paying attention to what was going. And uh, they, uh, they said, do you know that the Lord will take away your master? These are pretty prophetic people. Elijah did a good job to train them because they knew something was fixing to happen. So he answered, yes, I know, keep silent. So, isn't that something? Again, for, you know, and so obviously we all know what Jericho means. It means the place of victory by faith, you know, because that was where uh, Israel had their first victory. Uh, and, and when they went and sh- walked around Jericho for seven days and then shouted and the walls fell down. It's, it's, so it's, it's like this supernatural victory by faith where God wants to bring every Christian into a place where you experience like a major breakthrough, something supernatural, something that only can be explained in terms of God, in terms of the supernatural power of God. And God has that place for everybody. Another thing it represents also, which is, is a little challenging, is it says in uh, Joshua 5 that the Lord appeared to Joshua, out right outside of Jericho, as a, a man of war. And Joshua did not recognize the Lord. Joshua did not recognize the Lord because the Lord had appeared to him in a different way. And Joshua knew the Lord. Joshua had spent years in the wilderness in the tent of meetings. The Bible says that Joshua, that whenever the fire would des- descend on the tabernacle in the wilderness, and Moses would go out there. Joshua would go with him and be in the very presence of God. And then when Moses would hear from the Lord and communicate to everyone, everybody would leave. But it says Joshua would, would stay back. 
and stay in that tabernacle. So this was a man who knew God. This was a man who understood the Lord. And yet the Lord came to him in a way he had never seen before. And Joshua said, are you for us or against us? And the Lord said, no. There ain't no for or against. I'm coming as the captain of the Lord of hosts, of the Lord of armies. Isn't that powerful? So what does that tell us? That tells us... There's going to be a Jericho in everybody's life. It not only is it a place we can have great victory, but it's a time when God reveals Himself and comes to us in an unusual way, and we don't even recognize God. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, they're gone. I wish somebody else in this room did, except those four people that said yes. I'll tell you, in your life, you go along with Lord God, you're going to figure him out, you think, and then one day he's going to show up in your life and you ain't going to know who he is. Are you for me or against me? Who do you think you are? Well, the Lord, it's the Lord. God wants to reveal himself in different times, in different seasons, in different ways. And God wants to teach us. Like when, when, when he said that to Joshua, Joshua hit his knee, he went down, man. Because he knew at that moment. It was the same God that was back there where he was soaking in the presence of God, which was awesome. But now God's doing something different. God's going to war. And, when he, the way, and this is the truth. This is what you need to know. The way God reveals himself to you is the way he wants you to know him and relate to him. And it's a key to what he wants you to do at that point in your life. So if he's just hovering over the tabernacle... Well, let's just go lay and soak in the presence of the Lord. That's awesome. But if he's coming as a man of war, let's get with it. I mean, it's time for war. I mean, and so our job is to discern how God reveals himself to us. That's what one of the things that Jericho tells us. Yes, that is awesome, I think. Anyways, I'm going to hurry up here. Then in verse 6 it says, uh, Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me. On to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. First, let me make a comment about the Jordan. You know, most people know the Jordan River is the lowest place on earth. Uh, literally, it is the lowest spot on earth. Well, that speaks of humility, right? That, right? And then also, a lot of people say it speaks of death, but <clears throat> which it does, but it doesn't just speak of death, it speaks of resurrection. It speaks of transition out of one life, because that's where they crossed, into a new life. And the way we transition from, from an old life to a new life is, is really by humility, right? That's really how we come into anything with the Lord, is humility. In the New Testament, I wish I could talk about this part, really, but I don't. I can't. Uh, it's, the Jordan is the place where God the Father revealed himself as the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the place where he revealed sonship and love and affirmation. Okay? You are my beloved son. It's the place where the Holy Spirit was first released in the New Testament and he rested on the shoulder of Jesus. It's the place where the voice of God was heard in Israel Directly without a, a man even saying anything. Where God spoke and people heard it. It's a very amazing place. And that's the kind of place that God wants to bring us all into. He, he wants to bring us all into this revelation of the Father, one. Which brings us into a revelation of being sons. or Right? And He wants to bring us into a place where we can hear, hear Him speak. 
He wants to bring us into a place where the Spirit of God can rest on us. Literally, wherever we go, the Spirit of God is resting on us. That's, that's God's dream for our life. And God wants people to feel affirmed and feel loved. And that's what he did to Jesus. He declared that. I love you. I, f- I affirm you. I approve of you. That's what a father does, by the way. You know, if you want to be successful as a father, affirm your children. You don't have to affirm everything they do. But if you will affirm them as, as who they are. Your children are looking for identity. They're looking for somebody to tell them that they're special. And I'm going to tell you something, Daddy. If you don't do that, there's somebody out there that's going to do it. And I don't know about you, but I didn't. I had a really hard time with these guys showing up at my house and what they was going to say to my daughter when she was still at home. I was not going to have them having a voice in her life. Because a person who has a voice in a person's life has an influence in their life. And the same thing with your sons. So I just really want to encourage you about that. Make sure you're paying attention if you still have that opportunity. You know, if you don't, uh, Lord help, right? Do something supernatural. But you also, you can have that with your grandchildren. Grandparents can, can do that. But Are you all okay? Yeah. I lied, right? <laughs> well, don't blame me for lying up here because I know you've told lies too. <laughs> I, I wanted to point out this one thing here. Uh... Uh, it's, and this is really what I want to, I feel like it's really going to, it's really important. I hope you can s- sort of hear all this. I'm throwing a lot of information at you fast. Very condensed. There's a lot more to it. It says, so the two of them went on. I, I want to just think about that phrase. So the two of them went on. Other versions, the two of them walked on. That's really, really important. Because what they were talking about here was just this, what we call the walk of faith. All right, first let me say, everybody who's been through a bad time, I mean, a really, I'm not talking about you just had a bad day. I'm talking about you went through hell in your life. You went through a dark night, so you got stuck somewhere, and everything fell apart in your life, and you didn't know if you was going to make it or not. A min, the Most of the ones that I hear that, what did you do? How did you, what? well, I just kept walking. I just kept walking. I just kept going. That was their bottom line answer. I didn't come up with some new theology. I didn't come up with some new revelation. I didn't come up with nothing. In fact, I I was so confused, I didn't know what to do. But I I didn't know, I just got to keep going. And every one of them I've ever talked to have the same thing. That's how they got out of where they were at. They kept going and at some, some point, God showed up in their story. Some point, God showed up for them. And that's really what... Uh, this is what trying to tell us it, it, with Elijah and Elisha. Elisha could have gave up. He could have like, forget it. I'm not going to be drug over a pillar to post with you, man. Because, but he had a word. He had a word that he was going to get that mantle. And even though his circumstances were working against him, he kept hanging on to what he believed God had said for him. Okay? Are you all right? Listen to this. Um, it's good. Um, we were watching this movie the other night. You know, I'm not really big into movies, to be honest with you. In fact, I, I think but usually when I'm watching a movie, here's what I do. First five minutes, I try to figure it out. If I can, and I can figure out most movies in the first five minutes. If I can figure it out, I don't want to watch it. It's like, I don't know. I already know what's going to happen. You know, it's just predictable. 
But this one, and it was a Christian movie, and most Christian movies are really cheesy, right? You're like, oh, it's a Christian movie. It's going to be cheesy. It's going to have some good stuff in it. It's going to be sappy. It's going to be ridiculous. It's not really where Christians really act. Is that Larry? <laughs> just playing, Larry. <laughs> I just had to do that to you. You're awesome, Larry. Keep acting that way. Keep being yourself. We love that about you. <laughs> Don't we? Yeah. Anyways, anyways, this, this movie was about this little girl, I'm sure some of you have seen it, who had this problem, this incurable disease, and her intestines didn't work. Okay? So, obviously, you can't live if you don't have intestines because you eat food, and it's, it's got to deal with your food and process it, and, and hers didn't work. And her stomach became bloated, and they took her to these doctors, and nothing was working. And these were serious Christian people. They even showed church in there, people worshiping. And, man, I'm going to say, Becky, they, nobody knows how to show church well. The only way you can show church is you come into a real church. They're really engaging with the Lord, but they were out there standing, raising their hands, and doing sort of what we do, but it just didn't look as real. You know what I'm saying? They were trying. They really were. They, they were trying hard to make it look real. But... What happened with the little girl I'm t- is her and her sister one day was out, and she had a death sentence on her, absolute death sentence. Her and her sister were out climbing a tree one day, a big, huge tree, and she fell down into the tree. The tree was hollow and fell, they said, the equivalent of three stories and he landed head first and stuck, was stuck down there. They had to literally lower a, and this is a true story. This is based on a true story, this movie. It's not just somebody made up something. They lowered a fireman down into the tree by his feet because it was real tight to get the little girl. And then they had him on a crane and pulled him out of there. And she was still alive and took her to the doctor. And it, the doctor says, it's like, there's nothing wrong with her. You know, her skull's not busted. She's not paralyzed. I mean, it was like, that was a miracle that she was okay. She had a few scratches. Well, you know... A few weeks later, the mama noticed the little girl was no longer sick. She wasn't, she had energy, she, she, her color came back in, and she started living again, and, and her stomach went back flat, and she began to question about it, and she began to tell them, she told her parents about this encounter she had with the Lord down in that tree where she left her body and went to heaven. And she said, I didn't want to come back here, but God told me I was going to be all right. And so she came back, and the Lord healed this little girl. Well, that was awesome, right? The little girl was healed. That was there. But here's the part of the movie that really I felt the Lord was speaking to me. Back in the church, you know, after all this amazing miracle, the, woman, the mama, the TVs were there, was going to give a testimony about what God had done. Okay? And here's what she said. She said, I lost my faith because she could not understand why God didn't heal that child. Like the child loved God. The child was beautiful. The upfire. Why would a loving God not heal her? And so she's, she had a hard time with the Lord. And it showed a lot of that through the, through the movie. It showed a lot of her fighting God and struggling with God and, and, and angry with God. And where to, finally where she didn't even have a conversation with God no more. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I hope you do. I hope you know what I'm talking about. But here's the first thought when I heard her, she said, I lost my faith. I thought, no, you didn't. You found your faith. You found your faith. Because faith is not tested. It's not real faith. 
And a lot of times we think we've lost something because maybe we didn't do so well through it. Or maybe we didn't say the right thing, pray the right thing, or any of that. And we feel like we've lost something. And, and I believe it's a- absolutely opposite. I believe it's absolutely opposite. I believe in those places where you find what's really real. And I think there's people sitting in this room, you feel like you've lost something. You feel like, man, well, I didn't handle that right. I know I felt that. I felt it from the bottom of my heart. Like, I have just blowed this thing, Lord. I'm talking about hard stuff. I'm not talking about easy. I'm talking about life stuff that's bitter. And I didn't respond very well in the middle of it. I didn't act very well in the middle of it. I thought bad thoughts about God in the middle of it and probably said some bad things to Him in the middle of it. I think every one of us in this room, if you'll be honest with me this morning, be honest with yourself, that you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about when you're in a dark place and God is not doing what you think He should be doing and you're fighting, you're struggling with your faith. You're trying to understand your faith and and trying to act like a person with faith would act because we have this ideal about what, Having faith is. We have to even have this ideal about what about faith itself. And so we try to take Bible verses and I need some faith. <laughs> we try to take Bible verses and explain faith to our little brains. And I want to tell you, you can't understand faith with your mind. Faith is something mystical. And your if your heart doesn't grab faith. It doesn't matter. You can quote it all day long. You can say all the right things, do all the right things, but that's not real faith. Real faith is something mystical that only your heart can grab hold to. You ever think about when Jesus said to people, if you have faith, you know what he was saying? I've got faith. I'll give you faith. I'll give you faith. If you want to be healed, I've got the faith for you to be healed. I'll let you have my faith. That's why uh, in John, Mark 11, when the guys were looking at the tree, Jesus, this is, is what it, the, the little Bible says this, have faith of God. Amen. Have faith of God. Not don't have faith in Him. Have His faith. And I've really come to believe in my life through my own tragic tragedies and sorrow and, and answers of, of, of unanswered questions from God and how when God acts really like, like He's not there for me. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Where's God? And why isn't God talking to me? And why isn't God helping me? I don't know how I got all this out of Elijah and Elijah. <laughs> Because it was a walk of faith. Because that's what f- f- he walked on. And that's, that's the only answer that we can have sometimes. Is just, we'll just keep going. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why God's not acting right. I don't know why God didn't. You know? I don't know why he ain't healing or delivering or answering your prayers. I don't really know why. I don't know why God doesn't do what he what we think he should do. I, I really would like to understand God. You know, I would like to understand why God does the way he does. I really would love to understand all that. But I, I'll tell you something. I am so, like, I don't want to hear all these explanations when people try to explain God. I'm thinking, seriously, you, 
you know who the people I want to hear? I want to hear from people who've walked through something. I want to hear people who were in that spot where God didn't meet them the way they thought he was going to meet them. And when they were hurt, and they were hurt by God in their minds, but somehow they kept going, and they walked out of it. Those are the people I want to hear. Those are the people when they start talking, I start listening. I don't, I don't give a rip about theology. I'll be honest with you. Theology means nothing if you don't have a, an encounter with the Lord. That's what, what Becky said in her little statement, is talking about Jacob and his journey and his encounters with God. Because somehow he met God somewhere along the line, even in his grief that he suffered when he lost his child, Joseph. He thought he was dead, but he didn't really lose him. Then he thought he lost the other one. And he, was, he, was, he told his sons, y'all are going to drive me to my grave. But at the end of his life, he could look back and see that God was a shepherd and was there with him all the time. And that was part of the movie, is that lady shared that famous quote by Einstein. It says, "Some there's two kinds of people. People who see no miracles and people who see miracles in everything. And she began to recount the miracles. Quote the miracles. There was nothing miraculous in terms of supernatural about it, but it was very miraculous. Just God sending somebody to them. God helping them at the moment where they had a financial need. Just, just what we would call natural things. And she began to see what her... See, her faith was really alive at that moment. She didn't lose her faith. She found her faith. And she saw, she was able to look and see with her eyes of heart. She was able to see what God was doing all along when she was so bitter and angry with him. He was doing something. He was at work in her life. And I promise you, if you can look back on your life this morning... In your darkest moments, you'll find out that God was there. God was talking. God was doing something. Are y'all following this? And so I feel like, you know, I feel like, gosh, I'm out of time. I feel that for sure. <laughs> That's profound, right? I got, I'm trying to finish, okay? I'm trying to figure out how to end this without, you know, hitting the wall. I feel like, I feel... That that God, everybody's in a different place. Some of you are in the middle of a terrible place. There's no, no, no question about that. Some of you are fighting. And some of you are really hurt in your heart. You're hurt about God. You're hurt. Why didn't you do this for me, Lord? Where were you? Where were you? You didn't come running to me. There was this song about God running. I love the song until it got that part. You know, when I hear that part, I skip over it. Why? Because that issue, that question in my mind, where were you, Lord? You didn't come running at my desperate moment, God. You sort of slow-poked it. You kind of took the long route, but you, I'll just say he did show up eventually. Or I wouldn't be here. So, but I, I do feel... Even though some of us are in a black, uh, uh, some of us are in that crisis of faith. Some of us are struggling. We're in that dark place, and I want to encourage you to keep going. I felt like you know what Jackie shared about that Robin and all this that was going on this morning in worship was like God was, God was shouting at us. That's what it felt to me. I felt a shout like he he was shouting at me. You know. 
be free. Stop trying to understand me. Stop. Stop trying all this. Stop, stop trying doing all this stuff you're doing. Don't try to understand. Let, let faith be mystical. Just let it be a mystical thing to you. Now, when I said I don't really give a rip about theology, let me just say this. I think theology is vital, but I think it's, it doesn't work without the encounter. See, that's, that's what I'm saying. If you don't have the encounter, if you had to pick one or the two, pick the encounter all day long. And let, if you get the encounter, you'll get the theology because the encounter is, is the greater. Arthur Burke, this is what he said. He says, you come in on the knockout punch. You come in on the knockout punch. The thing that was meant to take you out. See, that was with this woman's testimony. The thing that was trying to destroy her is what actually brought her in. The thing that was trying to destroy her brought her in. I was wondering, like, what the heck do you mean you come in on a knockout punch? Most people go down on a knockout punch. He was saying, no, you're going to come in on a knockout punch. When the devil has knocked you out and the devil has knocked you to your knees. When the devil has knocked you out of the ring, held you down, one, two, three, you're beat, you're out. That's what Arthur was saying. That's when you're going to come in. God's going to bring you in. And I feel like there's people in here this morning, you took the knockout punch. And I feel like God's saying, but I'm going to bring you in. And now is the time for you to come in. I'm going to bring you out. What you thought destroyed you, really, it's going to bring you in. Amen? Okay, well, that's what I wanted to share this morning. God bless (laughs) y'all. Good. Why don't we stand up? Thank you, Lord. Mm. I know the Lord is speaking to us on a lot of different levels, right? So, Lord, we just ask you today, we really want to walk out of here today, Father, really taking away what you want us to have. We just pray, Lord, this morning that we just open up our hands, we open up our hearts, Lord, that we believe that you have birthed a new day in us today, Lord, and that we walk out of here changed, Lord, that we will not leave here the same as we came in. And, Lord, that's a saying a lot of times that we want that to be true today, God. So we're really asking you for that. Let's just reach for that today. I mean, it, see, this is a thing. We don't, we don't get this stuff in our minds. This is something that goes into our spirit man. If you try to grab it with your mind, it doesn't work. But all we do is reach for the impartation that comes By my spirit, says the Lord. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. So this morning, Lord, we just reach. Lord, we reach out to you for what you've imparted today. Lord, not with our minds. But Lord, with our, we just reach and just yield to you. And let us walk out of here changed. Walk out of here with the joy of the Lord. Walk out of here, Lord, knowing that our journeys are mysteries, but that you are God and you're completely in control and that we can rest and trust in you, your salvation, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just ask you today, this is my heart's cry, Lord, that we can be real.
you bring us into reality, Lord, real, that we get rid of the religion and all the junk that clouds our mind, God, and that we can walk with you real, as real people, Lord. Lord, just all this stuff that plagues us, Lord, that is not from you, a mindset that is not of you, Lord, you just take it off now, Lord. All the burden, all the load, Lord, that religion puts on us. All the religious thoughts, Lord. We're asking you this morning, they be stripped off of us. And we walk out of here in a new reality today, God. With the joy of the Lord, with the mind of Christ. And that we're going to walk the way you've created us to walk, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, and I'm just feeling the invisible realm come into the room right now. This is good. Oh, yeah. That's what we're meant to do, the invisible realm. That's how Paul, what Paul said. That's how he overcame, by looking to the things that are unseen. Isn't that great? So let's go at it. The unseen is full of joy. It's full of joy. It's full of faith. It's full of everything we need. And it's not, but let's say this, it's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Yay. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Do you, yeah. Y'all, y'all good for one more? I mean, the Lord is just moving this morning. Yeah, come on. I just wanted to confirm uh, Becky's vision of the vault. Um, I don't have a lot of dreams, but I had a dream last night. And it was one of those very vivid dreams. I woke up feeling like I was there. And uh, I was in, uh, well, I was in Neil and Bunny Linker's house. And I went downstairs and I don't even know if they have it downstairs. I haven't been in their house for a long time. But we found a door. We found a door that they didn't know was there. And we opened the door, and we went into this uh, basement of... And it looked like the thing from Indiana Jones. It was huge. It was huge. It was a hidden storeroom that they didn't know was there. And I remember walking around the place looking at this saying, how could you not know this is here? It was so, I mean, it was vast, and there were things in there. There were, there were it was interesting that, that you know, there was, there was so much down there, you could spend a lifetime sorting through it. But, I mean, there were just, like, classic pianos and just things of great value and things of common value, and just, it just, and it just went on and on. And, and it was like a lifetime of worth of stuff that you could just go, you know... And, and investigate and just that it, it was a hidden room and I just feel like that the Lord has in that vault you know that Becky was talking about that there there is in the faith realm there are things that you don't see with your eyes but they're just as real as if they were so I just want you hey guys one more time let's open that vault up let's just start opening it up you know, that stuff that's, man, people put all kinds of stuff in those vaults, man. Diamond rings and all their treasures. They don't want to be stolen, and it's now time to open them up. So, Lord, we receive it. We just say, open up the door. We're ready. Open the door. We are ready, Lord. In your presence, we come alive. Lord, all that stuff that you have for us, we come alive. Thank you, Lord. We receive it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're going to call the word, the ministry team up for them to pray. If you have a physical need, any need, we want to agree with you. If you just want a fresh touch from the Lord, 
I tell you, praying for one another is just the way to get refreshed, too. And just come up and receive. I think the Lord, particularly for people that are really dealing with a difficult time and feel like their faith has really crashed, we want to pray for you this morning. And let's just thank the Lord for coming this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming, Holy Spirit. Thank you for visiting us. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for the wisdom of heaven. Thank you for the treasures that have been poured out here today out of heaven. Lord, bless your people. Bless your people. Bless your people, Lord, as they go out. Lord, let them not leave as they came, Lord. Let there be demonstrations of blessings and miracles all around each and every one as they go forth in their families, in every way, Lord God, in their jobs, in their businesses, Lord. In Jesus' name, thank you.